Hello and welcome to Mind the Resilience podcast. I am your host Ramki. In this episode, I had the privilege of speaking with Don Grazana, a renowned resilience leader currently working at Indeed. We kicked off the conversation by getting to know Don on a personal level and then we delved into the topic of business continuity planning and went over the step-by-step process of creating a plan. The impact of the pandemic on business was also covered including Don's own experience managing the COVID-19 crisis while she was at Zendesk and Zillow. We also discussed the unique challenges of maintaining business continuity for online enterprises like Zillow where she gave lot of information for everyone to digest. Compliance in BCP was also a focus including the key areas to keep in mind and the role that compliance plays in BCP planning. Lastly, we touched upon the recent inflation and tech layoffs and how resilience professionals can prepare themselves for the unexpected. Don shared her insights and recommendations for training, networking and building resilience. Hi Don, good morning. How are you t- doing today? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much. Just please introduce yourself and um, about your experience and anything interesting that my audience can know about you apart from your professional work. Wonderful. Yeah. No. Um I'm very excited to be here. Uh I am Dawn Gerzena. I've been in the industry for several years. I've been in different sectors, you know, from the financial to the tech. I've even gone into healthcare once or twice. So I've got a wide range of experience that I bring to the table for the resilience. And mm-hmm. I really love giving back. So doing these podcasts or really mentoring is a is a big passion of mine to really reach down and and help others that we're doing. And I do that through mentoring but also volunteering at our mm-hmm. local assisted living and and that sort of thing. So yeah. Great. Again, thanks again for uh, volunteering to mentor. I, I think it's the same motto for me. I have started this podcast exclusively for giving back to our uh, resilience community, Don. So, welcome to the show again. Thank you so much. Uh, can you walk us through to my audience like a step-by-step process of uh, creating business continuity plan starting from the initial uh, planning stage to the implementation stage and uh, what are the key considerations and factors that organizations need to take into account when creating their bcp and you know how comprehensive and how effective and if you can also touch upon the common mistakes that the business make when creating their bcp and how to avoid that i know it will be really helpful for, for for our audience absolutely i mean this is um This is a, an interesting question and it's evolved over time. Back, you know, in the 90s and I've dated myself, but people would walk around with these big red binders, right, of all of these yeah. detailed how we're going to recover and then nobody would ever look at them afterwards. So over time, you know, as I've built out these business continuity plans, I realized there are some pitfalls that we all make. when we're really initiating or jumping in to expand a program and mature it the biggest piece that i think folks really set themselves up to fail with is that they try to do too much yeah you know they walk in and they are like okay we're going to do impact assessments on every team that's at the company and it's just not a healthy way to try and mature your program it should really be more of a staggered approach 
And, you know, you need to bring it to the table slowly for folks to stay up with you, right? So now one of the pieces along that is that the way to make sure that you've got the right ingredients in place for your plan is to really see what your company culture is like. And leave all your expectations and all of the things that you absolutely think must happen, Hmm. right? Um, Because I I think sometimes we walk in and we're like, okay, so this is how we're going to do it, blah, 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 you know, step one, two, three. And Hmm. you have other folks, well, that's just not how the culture works here. So it's important to really understand your culture and the company that you're working with, because what worked at a prior company may not work here. Um, So, and I think too, another component that I bring to this is don't overcomplicate it. You know, it's, it's really keep simple strategies in place. We all know every disaster that we run into or, or crises, they're all different. They might have similar pieces like natural disasters, but there's different elements in each one. And it's important to really make sure that your plans are strategic and elastic, that they can expand and contract to, you know, whatever that uh, event is. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then also it's really keeping your impact assessment simple as well. And just really keeping it high level, you can mature the program over time. You don't need Mm -hmm. to have perfection out of the gate. Exactly. Exactly. So um, can you go much deeper as well? Like uh, if you are going to, you know, start something new and an organization is looking to uh, have a BCP plan in place, what are the steps that you take? Like, okay, I'll, I'll start first with the assessment and then maybe I'll do an impact analysis and then the risk assessment and then you take it forward. Uh, do you have any set of uh, guidelines that you use for your organizations for a, for having a BCP plan in place? Absolutely, because, you know, you can't just start running without first yeah. learning how to walk, right? So, I think it's important before anyone jumps in and starts to execute and really get their assessment in place, it's important to really do some research. Take a few minutes and connect with your risk management team and take a look at the risk register. Yes. Just take a look at it and see where the dangers are. You will find a wealth of information. The next piece around that is Mm -hmm. identify those critical teams that need to have continuity and plans. And then, you know, make sure that your leadership is aligned to that. Uh, I've been at, you know, right. Yeah. Because I've been at companies where I was like, Hey, this team is so important. And then you find out, no, it really isn't. It's, um, you know, maybe investor relations trumps yeah. uh, something, you know. So it's it's crazy, right? Uh, you have to really understand your business and yeah. your company. Uh, also, take a minute. And if they do any public filings, uh, no matter where you are in the world, a lot of companies have to give, you know, public filings, read them because you'll be surprised at what you're going to find there. Now, once you've got that, it really comes down to making sure that you've got some buy-in as well. 
So get us, you know. Yeah, and, and, and I think too, um, the big joke that we've got um, over with my team is that I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> I spend a lot of time hanging out with people. Yes. <laughs> sure. I think the BCP team in any organizations needs a lot of coffee. So I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it's about building those relationships, getting some camaraderie and making sure that you've got enough caffeine to get through the True. day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, um, to, to, to elaborate more, uh, Don. Do you regularly review, update, and test your BCP plans once it is in place? And how frequently you do this um, for any organizations? Is it different for different organizations, or, or, or um, you know, you have a set of pattern for this review, update, and test of BCP plans? Yeah, I mean, it's it really. Some industries have very strict rules. Yeah. Uh, so you need to tie into that, but it's usually you have to test once a year, right? And mm-hmm. That's not enough. It, it, it is, and it's not enough when you're, you've got your plans and you only update them once a year. So the first thing that I do once the plans are created is that we do little miniature tabletop exercises. Uh, very nice. Yeah. You know, instead of a big production of that you have to spend six months to try yes. and do, just do some small little walkthroughs, get everybody comfortable with it and, you know, make sure that they understand what their role and responsibility is at time of disruption. Right. So by doing that, it really helps to build the relationships, which you will hear me say repeatedly. And it also helps them to feel more comfortable by the time they actually get to a true tabletop exercise. So, Mm -hmm. It's not like the same team will go through it every single month, but I try to have a tabletop exercise once a month with somebody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can't stress too the importance of publicity. Yes. Make sure that you thank everybody that showed up and do it very public. If you go out to their LinkedIn, say, hey, I really appreciate that you guys were here for the tabletop exercise. You're awesome really pump everybody up and make sure you go internally as well and say, Hey, everybody, we did this really amazing exercise and be surprised. I mean, who doesn't want to hear how great they are? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I use the same technique as well. I I give a lot of praise uh, whenever I do my exercises and, and it's very important to do it. Uh, I know we are in a remote world, but sometimes I do it uh, face to face and that changes the perspective seeing the people across the table and seeing their body language and I know how do they respond that makes a lot of difference as well so uh, while remote is the way of doing it but doing it on a face-to-face and that too on a tabletop exercise is really really uh, you know good way of uh, testing your BCB plan I completely agree on with you yeah and you know you bring up a good point too there we're in a hybrid world Right. Um, So if you are able to travel, that's always a great first catch. And then, you know, it's making sure too folks get comfortable being on um, Zoom calls or or whatever that video is that you're using. And you're right. What is really a luxury when you're face to face is that you can hear if you're paying attention hear what they're not saying to you through your point of the body language. 
Yeah, You're yeah, absolutely. Lot of that data, right? And then you can say, "Oh, this person's really not comfortable." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can you can easily find it out. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, and then when you see that, you know, make it personal. Engage with the person. Really Correct. create a safe environment for them to ask the questions that they might be nervous to ask, and uh, you know, really just kind of make sure that they feel good about what's going on and people will respond. Right. I mean, you've experienced that, you know, when you're doing it and you're praising these folks, people get so happy. Right. I mean, so, you know, Um, Hey, so before we jump, one of the things that I wanted to also, because we were talking about some of the steps and I forgot to bring this up, but I think it's super important after every tabletop exercise, no matter how small or how big, and after every single disruption that you have, uh, I always suggest to teams, how, or not to teams, but to other companies that are running programs, write an after action report. Mm. And make sure that you um, put in there what the objective is and, and use it as one of your training and awareness tools, but mm. also put in there what people did really well and be honest about where the opportunities are and yep. get that documented and then take those opportunities and put them into the risk register and start mm-hmm. getting traction by asking people to mitigate the risk. Absolutely. I completely agree. Okay. Don, we will move on to the next topic uh, that uh, I want to discuss with you. Uh, especially, uh, we will touch upon the pandemic planning. Um we had a crisis, the biggest pandemic pandemic that we would have seen in our uh, maybe in our life. So, I want to ask you, or I want to uh, you know maybe if you can describe to my audience what what was your personal experience in managing the business continuity during the COVID nineteen pandemic, and how did you approach the challenges that arose? So I, I believe, um, and I think you might be would have been part of the Zendesk organization, if I'm not wrong, during the COVID-19 pandemic. So can you elaborate more? Uh, how did you work with the team and the stakeholders to ensure that the organizations continue to operate during the pandemic? And and what lessons uh, did you learn uh, from those experiences? Absolutely. I mean, the COVID and this whole crisis that we had, has fundamentally not only changed our world and how we operate, but it has changed enterprise resilience, right? True. Um, It's no longer, hey, let's make sure our six office buildings are secure, safe, and we've got the proper procedures in place. Uh, We now might have 10,000 offices, right? Mm. Where all of a sudden our people are working from home. And what does that mean? And what was interesting around that is I actually transitioned from Zillow over to Zendesk. So I was one of those people that actually got to see two companies uh, (laughs) respond. And uh, it was an interesting chaos exercise, right? I mean, we were, everybody was sitting there staring at each other for a, a minute to say, we've never experienced this. Yeah what's now and and as you kept seeing the news and and the big piece around this that i really pushed on my teams as well as the organization is to say we have to remove the fear uh 
there was so much fear. Even I, you know, would get really nervous or scared about, can I go to the grocery store? Wait, I just want to go for a walk, but you can't, you're sheltering in place. You know, every country and um, even within countries, counties would have different ways of responding. And it, it, it just was a scary time. And so that's the first piece is you really have to engage and be authentic with yep. your teams and your leadership and everybody that you're trying to lead through this. And remember that you're dealing with people and they're scared, right? Um, and we went through, Zendesk was amazing. Um, and indeed where I'm at now is the same thing where they bring so many tools to the table for people around your mental health yeah. and push people, go for a walk or step away, even if it's in your backyard, which yeah. so many people are trying to do, right? Yeah. So um, that's a big piece is be very authentic and really let people know, look, this is a different type of crisis than what we've dealt with. And that brings me to the other piece. It really comes down to communication. True. Make sure that you're transparent and you're communicating exactly what the status is, depending on where you're at in the world. Um, mm -hmm. People are still, you know, struggling to get back to the office. Yeah. You know? Sure. And, and, and also, how do you deal with what um, so many of us call the ping pong effect? Uh, you know, for a while, it was like, hey, the office is open. Everybody, you can, oh, no, wait, sorry, you can't go into the office, right? I mean, within right. 24 hours, we're, we, we're reversing decisions, and mm. that can be a, a tangle. So it's important to be really honest with folks and listen to what their concerns are. Um, right. And be respectful of their decisions. So many people were, I want to be vaccinated. And then you had yeah. so many other people who were like, I will not be vaccinated. It became this big thing. But the reality is that's a personal choice. Yeah. But you still have to protect your people. So put the right container in place for everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, were your team already remote, Don, or um, many people were coming to the office and uh, you had to um, move them remote, uh, you know, after the pandemic? Yeah, you know, my team for the, is usually always remote just because okay. of the nature of our beast. But, you know, that was a, a huge movement, right? Everybody mm -hmm. that was going into the office suddenly get home now and stay there. So there yeah. was a, a lot of work done in the background through the amazing um, HR team that dealt with an IT of making mm -hmm. sure folks had their setups at home and set mm -hmm. up the right process for people to True. get equipment. And, and that was the big piece is like, hey, we're going to go to remote for 30 days. Yeah. And then yeah. 30 went into one year, two years, and some people are still there. Mm. So, it, you know, you've mm. got to have the right pieces in place and the, and the right um, attitude. You need to be agile. And mm. when something's not working, like a lot of supply chains were disrupted. Mm. So just acknowledge it and realize 
that um, everybody's doing the best that they can and communicate that out to folks. So one mm-hmm. of the things that we did during the pandemic is that we had several trackers and right. it would identify, you know, all of the things that we normally identify, right? And, but we were also tracking what the local governments were doing all over the world where our yes. key offices were. And we published that and it was really available on demand, but we published what the status was. And it was, this is the government's, you know, decision. Here's what we are seeing just from a safety standpoint around that office. And finally, this is what our decision is. Uh, It's open and we let it be everybody's choice. Um, Yeah. I think that's the way to go. You know, the pandemic, we always thought would be 30 days and it's much longer. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the pandemic, if not for the focus for the pandemic itself, it has put up, it up, it has put up, put the focus back on the resiliency for the organization. And we as a resilience consultant has come to the forefront. And uh, I would say it's a blessing in disguise for, uh, for us. Uh, you know, now the organizations and the management understands the true value of being resilient. And I, I don't think going forward, there will be any chances or uh, they'll take a chance in, you know, not having a resiliency in place, you know, uh, before uh, before the pandemic. So I think it's 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 not good for the com- I mean, it was not good for the community, but at least for the resiliency per- perspective, it was a aha moment. And uh, it is truly a game changer, at least for us. Uh, so that's what I would uh, say, uh, Don. Yeah, I mean, I think that's spot on, right? Because it it really changed everybody's attitude. And suddenly, everybody is looking to our teammates and our peers across the world to saying, hey, what are you doing? And what are they doing? And yeah. you realize, <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> we are really all in it together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I completely agree. Okay, um, so Don, uh, let, let let us move uh, our conversations further. Um, I have an interesting observation on your profile. Um, you had worked with Zillow, I believe that is a real estate, uh, uh, you know, online real estate uh, concern, right? Or enterprise, I would say. I want to, uh, I know, wanted to wanted to ask you, like, are there any unique challenges and considerations that an online enterprises face uh, when it can, when it comes to business continuity planning and and how different it is compared to our other normal or you know other um, brick and mortar or any other things um, you know that can be addressed so can you give us an overview about how do you go about building a bcp plans and what are the key elements that needs to be addressed uh, or considered for online enterprises like zillow Absolutely. I mean, it's um, <laughs> it there. They are really distinct in how you need to respond to your uh, disruptions, as well mm-hmm. as what are your different risks. And when you are a primarily a SaaS company, you know you've got different risks than somebody who's a brick and mortar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know some of the things that I do out of the gate when I and pretty much I stay in all of tech at this point and so it's it's all SaaS is mm-hmm. um, you know really figure out do you have a third party resilience program in place because your disaster recovery 
is now slowly, if not quickly, shifting to, well, these are our third-party vendors, and they are the ones that yes. own disaster recovery. And so that means your third-party resilience has just become crucial. And mm. making sure that you're assessing them, that you're watching them, and that you're making sure you have backup vendors at times yes. for critical processes. And I think, too, it's important to check out your contracts. Very um, important. Yeah. yeah, right. I mean, so many people forget that. They're like, yes. that's all business continuity. I'm like, it is now. It is now. And it, it's it's funny when you listen to some of these folks, you're like, hey, you know, AWS was down for, you know, 18 hours. I mean, they mm. were. I'm just <laughs> making it up, right? And don't, Amazon, don't call me. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, when you're going through that and you're taking a look at that, and they come back and say, well, you know what? You didn't pay for disaster recovery. We could have gotten yeah. you back up in 10 minutes, but it wasn't <laughs> yeah. in the contract. And yeah. so, you know, they focused on those people that had the, and so that's, I think that's the biggest piece, but also mm -hmm. understanding that when you're in tech, um, we are a unique breed of people. We really <laughs> are. <laughs> it's like, yes. We like our our uh, snacks in the office and, you know, we're very, we, you know, think we're super cool. And, uh, and, and that's kind of what you have to remember that when you're showing up at the table, you've got a lot of quirky people, but they're mm -hmm. super smart. So you have to really talk to them in the way that they understand. And it's a lot different than when I was working in the financial sector or even at Zillow right. in the real estate. Uh, mm -hmm. People have a tendency to, uh, you know, just drive to solution. And sometimes you need to pull them back to say, we need to talk about root cause or mm -hmm. what this compliance control looks like. Um, you know, that's the big piece. The other component, too, is when you're working with somebody like a, a Zillow or a Zendesk and even Indeed, you know, training and awareness becomes really one of your yes. top components right yeah um and, and we Completely make, agree. yeah right and you know what's funny is as we're going through this people are like well it wasn't fun and i'm like well we need to make this fun you know make it engaging don't just throw a very old boring training video in front of somebody engage them make it you know something that they want to watch for lack of yep. better term so that training and awareness is super important um i know you know that because we've talked yep. about that right you know um i think the other piece too what happens a lot of times within SaaS companies is that you've got a lot of silos mm. you have all these people that create their own little private risk registers mm. so go on <laughs> yeah. the hunt go find them yeah. And just see what's in there and start hooking them together. And that's a big challenge because there usually isn't one team that owns the compliance movement mm -hmm. forward for the company um, right. or, you know, how they want to respond to resilience. And so you have people that believe in it. And so you'll mm -hmm. get a lot of siloed efforts. True. And that's a that's yeah. an risk unto itself, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Don, I think you have thrown a lot of golden nuggets uh, on how to manage 
um you know resiliency or what are the areas that we'll have to cover for an online saas enterprise which i believe it's in the nascent stage of being resilient or not many people have been exposed uh you know to the tech industry on how to build a, a resiliency for them so i think you have touched upon lot of things which are important and uh, where to be focusing on so again great uh, points don so thank you for that absolutely okay um let's let's move on um to the to the next topic i want to discuss with you don on your other area of expertise which is the compliance in bcp so um what are the areas uh, that one has to focus to have a proper compliance with regards to the business continuity plan and what is the role that compliance plays in business continuity and what are the key compliance requirements that organizations need to consider uh, to have a robust compliance in place yeah i mean that is really uh this ever changing landscape for us i want to say it, it, there's a couple of nuances on this partly it depends on your industry right it also mm-hmm. depends if you're a public or private company and it um depends too on do you want to leverage compliance as a marketing tool so those are some of the basic questions i will always ask out of the gate and then i sit down with my compliance team first and foremost just to see what kind of audits they already do just see what they're doing and take a minute or several and find out what those business continuity or resilience controls are because there will always be some and find out what evidence have you provided prior to me showing up and you know that's kind of the first step you know you're doing your mm-hmm. research now once you get that and figure out what are the pieces that are already in place really sit down and think about what's best for your company if you decide to go for one of the ISOs and enterprise resilience mm-hmm. and you know i think that's always a, a really great thing to do especially on the ISOs that they've just done in the last several years around enterprise resilience and really dive into why it's important to get that certification so you can have that nice big you know badge on your website but also make sure that you are not engaging or supporting at risk that's been introduced to the company by not following compliance controls right mm-hmm. and what i mean by that is make sure you understand what's in place but also make sure you find out for your industry what we're not doing right make sure that you're really identifying that risk to say hey we should be doing um you know like a SOC 2 which is you know out here in the United States it's a big thing oh okay we should do that we haven't been doing that let's get that done and when you start diving into that it really will lead to other pieces now the other component too that people when you're doing this and you're going through the compliance pieces we sometimes forget just of really how important these pieces are a yeah. lot of times people are like oh this is just a compliance function it's just a checkbox don't let it be you know you own the responses but also make sure that you are mitigating the risk to your company that's why we're here we're here to really help mitigate risk 
and that when that event happens, we can respond. So also figure out if there are any disaster clauses for any of your audits that you might need to be doing. So for example, the SEC out here, if you run into a disaster, last I heard, immediately they would just get, grant you a 30-day extension on any filings. Hmm. So okay. make sure you, you know, you've got those pieces, but also it comes down to making sure, again, that you're communicating this out. Hmm share what's going on in the compliance world and those compliance controls and what those artifacts are and make sure that your leadership knows what you're doing around that. You'll be astounded at um, how much support suddenly from the compliance team, if you don't work in that department, how much support you're going to get and um, how quickly you'll move through a lot of audits. Mm. Very nice. Very nice. Thanks. I think all are great points to be considered uh, on the compliance part in the BCP. Thank you, Don. So um, so, um, I want to move uh, on as well and ask you something happening at the moment, right? What are your thoughts on the recent inflation and the tech layoffs that is currently happening? And how resilience professionals can prepare themselves for any kind of any odds that they can face are there any training networking tips and tricks that you want to recommend to my audience in the resiliency industry during these tough times oh my gosh yes i mean how absolutely insane is this right now and nothing like a a personal crisis to make you realize that we're um that well, one, we're far more resilient than what we realize, but, oh, wait, we need to not only have resilience for our companies, we need to make sure we're putting some of the same practices in place for us, right? Absolutely, yes. So, um, you know, I mean, I think for me, the big piece is if you get laid off, raise your hand and ask for help. Mm. And whatever that help is, it could be, Hey, I need, I need somebody to look at my resume or can you introduce me to this person at this company? And that's the other piece too, is, you know, if you're stuck in this mode, go out and see what companies you might want to work for. And Mm. then see if you know anybody who is at that company, or Mm. if there's a second, like if you're on LinkedIn, is there a second degree connection and ask for introductions and start really that network is what's key, especially in our industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think too, the other component is is really make sure that your certifications are updated. Treat finding a new job mm-hmm. as a job, right? Yeah. Um, like put your time in and there are multiple facets. It's meeting and greeting, building relationships, but it's also about, going out and getting your certifications if you can and, you know, really, you know, marketing yourself. And prior to that, like any crises that um, companies go through, we spend an inordinate amount of time prepping, right? Mm -hmm. We're planning, we're building strategies. We as resilience individuals should be doing that for our personal career path as well. Like do a lot of that planning, keep your resumes updated every quarter. Um, Also, you know, around this, 
go on interviews Mm. and go and make sure that, you know, you're just doing what you want to do and that you're tied into the areas where you would like to jump. Right. And Mm. along the lines of that too, it's, um, don't let a title get in your way. Right. Um, I've, you know, gone as high as, you know, I want to say director and then you or senior manager. And then I've had no problems going back to just being what some companies would term a project manager. Yeah. Um, it's all about the challenge. So get the titles out and get into the channel. And also I would encourage everybody out there. Um, I currently work at indeed go Mm -hmm. out to our website and, there's a lot of resources that they've um, really just provided for people that are specific in this, you know, situation. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be super helpful and ask for people to refer you. So if folks see an opportunity at Indeed, and mm-hmm. if I know you, um, I'm more than happy to refer you. Yeah. And that's how a lot of us will get jobs at this point. It's a Absolutely. tough market right now, right? I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's just a really hmm. crazy. And, and that's the other piece, too, is don't let other people's expectations cloud yeah. what's best for you. Very important. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So Sure. I think, I think um, from my perspective, Don, the networking part is very, very important. Keep your chin up. And like you said, uh you know get your certifications done ensure that your skill sets are up to the mark and you know get help get some help from the people out there i mean talk to them and you know uh, tell them that you're available so it's all about exposing ourselves or you know marketing ourselves to the wider audience and you know getting the referrals as much as possible that we can so again all good points and uh, very valid as well yeah absolutely Okay, Don, I think we have come to the end of our podcast. So I wanted to end, like if someone wants to contact you, what is the best way uh, to get in touch? Um, And uh, would you like to give any final thoughts uh, about uh, anything that you want to speak about? Absolutely. So I'm out on LinkedIn and I'm happy to connect with anybody and, and have conversations. I think that's how we learn and grow. And, and I love that diversity of thought, um, as well as just in general, having diversity at the table is just um, a, really a cool thing. So please reach out and I would love to connect. And I think to the, you know, in conclusion, from my standpoint is, you know, we're all in this together. And just mm-hmm. don't forget that, right. And Bring your true, authentic self to the table, and that will help propel you getting new jobs, but also propel your programs because you're building that trust. You're building like, hey, they're a straight shooter and I can go to them for honest feedback. You know, I mean, and always be kind when you're giving especially feedback, right? But um, yeah, I mean, just uh, like you said earlier, keep your chin up and if you need things, just reach out and yeah. know that we're all, you know, we're all here to help. So Absolutely. it's just a question of you letting people know you need it. Sure. No problem. Again, 
thank you don for all your information sharing that you have done in my podcast um, i am really thankful for that and uh, hopefully we can uh, have many such conversations in the future as well i'll put all your contact details in my uh, show notes for if someone wants to get in touch with you again thank you and uh, see you sometime again bye bye thank you